Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then, buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and, of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. What is that? Have y'all heard this? We got some new music. You better make sure you have permission. Well, here's the Look deal. I think, I think we can go to him and ask him to pay us royalties for using yeah. Gamekeeper in his song. Is that on a licensing so. report? <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, so that's uh, Walt Gabbard has a song called Gamekeeper. It's a pretty cool song. Oh, that's okay. pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, Walt. Walt. Yeah, I like old Walt. So, in fact, his he was telling me yesterday his youngins, so they've all tagged out up there and just burned them up in Kentucky. Boone huh? and Waylon and man, he's got he got some country sounding names. I'm uh, gonna tell you what now, there's a reason for that. Yeah, he's from the country. <laughs> he's that's country. Right. Yeah. And yeah. when we call somebody country, that's pretty country. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, welcome everybody, West Point, Mississippi, well, home thank of Mossy Oak. Uh, glad to have everybody here today. We have Mark Drury, the one and the only, horns. no oh, doubt, who's finally on the board. <laughs> oh, wow. Hello, Sam. How you doing? I feel so bad for Mark and his lack of deer trophies. Yeah. Uh, Just know, so sad. So, if you go to Deer Cash, you can see this latest thing, and, and it is a monster. It's a giant. Mark, no that's a giant deer. What did he score? That that deer scored 167 and four A's. He was 23 and a half inches wide, which makes him yeah. look really, really big. Yeah. And he, uh, he was a deer that. I had pictures of last year at age four and a half, and then uh, he wasn't there at all on that farm. That's a 417-acre farm. He showed up October the 26th and then started daylighting on a field down in a bottom. I killed him on, on deer radishes, actually. Hey. And uh, went, he daylighted there two nights in a row on the, the uh, second and third or third and fourth, and I killed him on the, on the fifth. Yeah, what's today? I killed him on the fifth, the evening of the fifth. Boy, he's a big deer. What did, deer. what did he weigh? You know, we didn't weigh him. He was a five-year-old. I mean, he's typical for, for the deer up here in that size. Um, you know, he was probably live weight, two, 260-ish, probably live weight. I would guess yeah, maybe 200. It's just a different animal up there. Yeah, around, around here, a, a typical five-year-old is probably 220. Not even oh, man, that. not even that. I mean, not the deer Bobby killed is one of the heaviest deer I've heard from Depends on if they've had access to quality bcp or they're you know in yeah. these heavily timbered areas they might be less than that yeah that's true especially with like 180 190 wow 260 that's a big old <laughs> that deer. is a, that is a big old deer so what we've invited mark here today to talk to us is about hmm. uh, 
aging <laughs> but on on the hoof you're sitting in a tree stand you see a deer show up you know it's a process to go through to age one and it's kind of hard when you're trying to kill these five and a half year old animals and older are you would ideally like to so once they get above a certain age it's kind of hard and mark's really good at doing that so that's what we wanted to talk about we're gonna have a bunch of questions mark and uh i mean like what has he done lately to tell us he can pattern a five and a half year old deer i just don't get it yeah he can well, kill one on the fifth <laughs> <laughs> right, so <laughs> but mark before you jump in here and defend yourself I, before we go down this rabbit hole i wanted to ask you nobody's expecting this question oh lord but no, for, for my years of knowing you and hunting around you um you've got music that if a certain song comes on when you're going hunting it's like gold you know something good's gonna happen it's lots deeper than that bobby well i was wondering if you would explain that to us it's just a feeling and uh like i heard that song and went and had good luck and this this goes back my goodness 20 plus years ago the original the, the original lucky song was tracy bird four to one in atlanta and it and it was Jared and I had had a great run during the late season and killed a deer, get back in the truck, first song, killed another deer, different night, first, first song, you know, three in a row uh, that Jared and I killed. And it was the first song three times in a row, regardless of the time we were getting back to the truck on, on the local radio station. And we just started paying attention to it after that. And we've had many, many very lucky songs. And I literally just identified this year's the other night. I said, I think this is it. It was a song that, Taylor and I, I, I heard it, and this is the same artist that does the Mossy Oak song, Red Farron, and I've been hearing it on social media, and I was like, this guy's pretty cool. He did a song called Mossy Oak, and I really like his song, Jack and Diet Coke. And, or no, yeah, Jack and Diet Coke. And um, I told Taylor about it. I said, listen to this artist, and she was like, oh, he does the Mossy Oak song. So it's, it's pretty cool, and now they've got it on the highway. They're starting to play it, and before we just heard it on his social pages, and then, you know, she found it on, on wherever she gets her music. But now I'm hearing it on the radio. So I was like, huh. The other night, I killed that deer, got in the truck, first song. There it was. was like, there it was. So there it was. so let's dig a little deeper here. So this stuff is more predictive than your Zodiac sign, I'm telling you, for him. On the other hand, there are specific songs that are borderline evil bad luck. Hmm. So. Oh, yeah. We're going to, he was down here, we're turkey hunting before daylight, driving, and I I hadn't had a scolding from Mark, rarely, but this was the worst one. <laughs> Don't turn on the radio and randomly scroll the channel, because that song might come on. Because, I mean, he I'm not going to call the artist's name, but super popular <laughs> person we all listen to, and I mean, he basically did a panic swan dive to hit the off button on my radio because it was coming on. He's, Don't you know? And I said, like, no, I don't know. So anyway, I got a lesson in that. And sure enough, we had like that morning, three, call it three different turkeys in easy gun range. And the camera's like, oh, can you not see that? I can't see him. It's like in all three of them just walk off. And he's like, I told you. Hmm. So, <laughs> so that's like taking a banana to the, to the, to the fishing boat. You just don't do that. So it's a whole new level, whatever you want to call it, superstition. I thought Cuz was bad. I think he, I think he tops him. Yeah, Cuz is just a little stitious. No, Mark is super. super stitious. <laughs> I've seen Cuz, I've seen Cuz stop, <laughs> hit the brakes, screech, almost have a wreck because a black cat had run across the road, and go back and be late to go hunting to another route because he can't cross that. Mm. You know? But everybody's got their thing. 
Bobby, so, do you have a particular song that the, the Carpenters are mine? If I know exactly. I was thinking name yours for if, you. If the Carpenters and and Gary Lavox is lucky for me too. Is he? Uh, yeah. Hmm. But the Carpenters are great. What, what about you, Dudley? What's your your good luck song? Is it yeah, all out of this? How often do the Carpenters come on the radio, Bobby? <laughs> it, it, it happens that, on the way to the dummy yeah, line. So we've got an hour drive, and if they come on, it's just like I know something good's going to happen. There's one well, that says something about yeah, a bird. Yeah, that's why do birds magically appear whenever <laughs> you are near? When, if she sings that song, I might as well just load my gun and just start just looking get around. Ready, huh? Something's going to happen. Uh-huh. So. Like, what station are you listening to in the hopes to hear the Carpenters? Like seventies, seventies on seventies on seven. Yeah. Okay, I'll pay attention to that. You're pre-selecting a song that you like and think that's going to bring it up. Mark actually is scientifically analyzing data to figure out the one. It's very scientific. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I've got one. Just, what, what, I just what, wait till it hits me. And this year, I'm fairly certain it's Red Farron. Jack and Diet Coke. That's my, that's, I'm calling it. Yeah. Mine. Do you guys, do you guys know him? He did that Moss Hill song. I've never, I, I never Lanny, knew him. I mean, uh, heard Top, of, what's yep. your name down there? Toxie. I bet he knows him. Haas. No, I don't know him. Haas. <laughs> I, bet, <laughs> I, bet, I bet Daniel and Neil know oh, him. Oh, yeah. Well, I guarantee you they do. So anyway, that's, that's one of the more valuable things for people to learn about patterning Big material white tail. Pick you a lucky song. Pick a song and pay attention to what has brought you luck. True or false? That song was by Burt Bacharach, the one that was giving y'all so much grief. True or false? What song? The one that made y'all have the rough turkey. Oh no, no, false. False. Okay, Lanny, what is your song? What Dudley? My song. You me go ahead, throw it out there. Throw it out there. Golden earring. Never. When the bullet hits the bone, baby. (laughs) Who sings that? (laughs) Golden earring. Golden yeah. yeah, and that's not the name of the song. It's just one of the lines in there. Look, Richie knows. Yeah, what are you talking about? Like back in the day when I used to work at the Fox, man, yeah, at, that's at, it. at the local yeah. radio rock and roll station. Yeah, yeah. That's it. When, yeah. All right, Dudley, we're when moving on. Gone. You better throw something out. Oh, fast. probably something like Love Tractor. Y'all probably y'all don't know anything. Is that by Trey or and is that widespread? All right, so Mark, <laughs> we've uh, we've we bored Mark enough. So let's talk about aging these deer on a hoof because i mean you're one of the best at it if not the best at it but i want to learn that year between 3.5 and 4.5 it's where it gets really tough for me but let me read something really quick one of the best ways one of the best examples of judging deer is this poster that ryan kirby has done and mark i was talking to ryan he was like he said hey mark is the best he he commented uh, that some of your some of your insight helped them develop this poster. But the growth of a whitetail buck happens in a predictable rhythmic seasons. In the spring and summer, his velvet antlers grow, gaining length and mass. And in the fall, he sheds his velvet and testosterone surges, swelling his neck and preparing him for the rigors of the rut. Late- that sounds like one of the romance. Yeah. Are, you, are you reading? You probably yeah, read. yeah, yeah. Te- right, surging testosterone. Late winter, he sheds his antlers and returns to feeding, replenishing his body. Each year, the buck matures in distinct ways. Each season, he climbs higher in the social hierarchy of the herd. So, what we want to talk about is how, when you're up there in that stand, and you, what features about him you're looking at to help you determine his age. Man, there's, there's so many, and with, without question, the best way to know a deer's age is, is a lot of monitoring in the field from a trail picture standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Amen. Exactly. Yep. 
you know, it's it's very difficult to see a deer for the first time and go, oh, that's a five and a half year old deer. You know, if you, if you have no history with him. So history, without question, helps a lot of people with this, which is a, a, another reason that I keep all my trail photos. I don't I don't discard them. And I think this day and age with so many cell reports, I've seen a lot of people. We used to all keep most of them, but a lot of people don't keep their photos anymore. And I do, man. I want that information long term. So I'll look at them once as the season's occurring. And then we collect those SD cards at the end of the season. And I, I categorize them all and file them all because I want to know the age of those deer. And I specifically want to look back. Because in the now, you're probably focused on one or two shooters and you're not paying attention to those deer that are perhaps a nice year and a half or a two and a half. Whereas in three or four years, you might want to look back and go, who is this giant or who is this deer with the kicker and go backwards in time and go, oh, here he is. He's actually four and a half. So that's the best way to do it. Um, it's difficult. It's more difficult to me to age in the summer and in the winter. Uh, than it is during the rut. They they all get a very distinct look during the rut that they swell up a little bit. And a lot of those characteristics get uh, magnified during the rut. And I, I think that's probably the best time to try and identify them. Because if you try to age deer in July or in like January up here, it would be later for you guys down there. It's very difficult because many of them from three and a half up through eight and a half all look similar ages because their necks swell back down and they just very they have a very slender look to them. So when they swell back up and those heads swell a little bit, I swear even their racks grow during during the rut. Everything swells on them. They're a little bit easier to to understand. And the thing that I look for uh, immediately if I'm looking for maturity, in other words, five and a half or older, I'll look at his his cap, you know, and and in and around his eyes they start to you know they have a little cap that goes over their eyes. And specifically their neck. When their neck gets flop in it, you you could just about bet you're looking at a five or six year old deer. When they're walking, if you see that slightest little sway back and forth in that neck, right in through there, Under and the definition right there, that is almost always a mature deer. And you can look at back, you can look at belly, but I'm more than anything, I'm looking at head and neck when I'm trying to determine a deer's age. And you know, if you're lucky enough to see a deer out on a green field with other deer to where you can compare body sizes, that's a, a very big advantage if you can see him out there with other deer and, and help you understand his age. Because there are some foolers out there. I've seen some really mature looking blocky headed three and four year olds. Uh, and then I've seen some very sleek five and six year olds. So they're not all created equal. Yep. So you can't put them all into one lane or one bucket and go, oh, that's what all five and a half look like. Because that's not necessarily the case. There are deer that are short, squatty, and, and heavier set. There are deer with a, a more of a thoroughbred, long, lanky look. And uh, the best way is with a picture history. But if you if you just have to look at a deer in the field, I'm looking at head and neck first and trying to determine just how large that has, head is and how uh, how floppy that throat is. Your daughter's been begging you to hunt since her little brother shot the big eight last year. You've ran a fire the fields, got stuck, got unstuck, planted food plots, fertilized, and prayed for rain. You moved trees, limbed roads, even bought one of those fancy cell cameras. So what's your excuse? LS Tractor. Moultrie has pioneered the game management category. Today, Moultrie is one of the best-selling brands of feeders and seeders in the world, and they continue to innovate with new technology that gamekeepers will rely on. 
Moultrie products are always field tested and designed for hunters by hunters, combining forward thinking, innovation with time tested practicality. Moultrie, first in feeders since 1979. All right, so guys, Moultrie is offering our listeners a 15% site wide discount at MoultriefEeders.com. Use code Mossy Oak with a capital M, Mossy Oak at MoultrieFeeders.com and get that 15% discount. When you say that one of the mistakes that people make or one of the hardest things to do, you you, you don't need to look at antlers and judge his age by antlers. No, that, that's a no, hard no. – that, it's not the way to do it, right? Agreed. I, I seldom look at antlers. But there are things about antlers that can help you. Like if you're on the edge, like how old is he? Well, you know, if he's got big mass and he starts throwing kickers around the base, that's something that traditionally comes with age that I've noticed. Um, so you, you can look at it as as more of a totality of evidence of age, but it certainly wouldn't be the first thing I'd look at. It might it'd probably be the last thing I would look at. Yeah. So uh, I know, you know, this day and age, if you're, you know, if you're going for a, a bigger antler score, you, you generally want that deer to be older than four. Uh, while a lot of us, you know, consider a four-year-old a mature buck, uh, you just went over the differences between you know like a four-year-old and a, and a six-year-old deer uh but three-year-olds can often fool us as well because they you know they often come out into the field and they're more aggressive they're running around they can they can trick you uh, as evidenced by this three-year-old 12 point here on the wall that i shot a <laughs> few years ago but uh can you help our listeners understand the differences between a three-year-old and a and a more mature deer you bet. And oftentimes the thing I notice about three-year-olds is they're the, they're the ones that you see the most often. They daylight the most often yes. and, and the most likely deer to, to really put on the miles. And I personally believe the species is built for about three and a half. If you look at deer hunting through time and your properties and your experiences, it's so difficult to get one that makes it to four and then five and then six. I, I once read a, a story about a hundred button bucks that Mississippi state had, had collared in the wild. And only one of those buttons made it to age six and a half. So, yep. you know, that's uh, a 1% chance of a deer making it to six and a half. And many of them just do not make it past three and a half. And I, I just don't think they're built for much older than that. Certainly they can get there, but the odds are really stacked against them once they hit four five, six. And, you know, it's, it's a freak of nature to see one that's seven or eight, but you know, if you really want to see one that's topped out and looks his best, a healthy deer that ha- and led a fairly decent lifestyle, free of disease or injuries or EHD, a seven or eight year old buck is is just a monster up here. It's yep. it's a rarity, but those are the ones that are fully matured, giant head, giant neck. And and back to your original question, those three and a halves just have that sleek race horse look. That's the best way I can describe them. They don't look young anymore like those year and a half and two and a half they're fairly easy to see and and identify but at age three and a half it's the first year he's gonna he's gonna have that you know that look about him that he starts to look mature and he's he's starting to get a little squinty eyed his rack may be outside of his ears for the first time in his life and you see him coming and you're like that's a good looking deer and, and to me I also see coloration different differences from two and a half to three and a half they start to get that auburn cap mm-hmm. uh where they they look a little older and then all of a sudden they start to gray a little bit by the time they're six and seven and sometimes that's genetic coloration of face and and high in general but as a rule of thumb 
they look a little older in the face by the time they're three and a half. But uh, there's there's a difference between a three and a four year old. And, and really, the, the best thing to do is try to identify that as you're looking through trail photos. Like, yes. don't just look at it and go buck versus doe. Try to identify it as what age class he might be, because you're at least starting the process of, of, of better understanding him when you do see him in the field. He makes a great point because if you really want to know, I mean, if you just want to have a general guess of it, yeah, there's a lot of things to look at. And the one thing I would mention that has always helped me that a, a very astute biologist we all used to work with told me, and I've held it to be true, is that balance beam, looking at them from the side. So that shoulder is smaller, and they actually almost look like a taller back end. I mean, it's like big ham, small shoulders. That's a young deer. And, you know, what he was saying, I'm four to five, it's kind of like that evens out. Mm-hmm. And then you get where they got this bigger shoulder and even a smaller back end. I've seen a lot of deer on the skinning rack have a skinny back end, but a big deer. And I just felt like they're really old. So, in short, the balance beam is a pretty good way to look. But what Mark says, the best wisdom of all, if you really, really want to know, age them when they're one and a half, two and a half. That's when you can really be sure. Because as they get, if you just come out of nowhere, even if you're the best there is. If you come out of nowhere looking at one, you know, solo that's five, six, seven, whatever, even the best can't get that right all the time. Yeah. There's no way. So what he does, like, that's why he does so good at everything. I'm not going to leave it to chance. I'm going to go back and check because then I can keep up with that deer. And sometimes that makes it more fun, too, to keep up with them over time and know you've, you know, the history of that deer, you've grown it and so forth. So this thing that I'm studying, Mark, it says that a three-and-a-half-year-old, the way he's described is athletic, lean, and toned. I mean, that's kind of like me. Oh, I, need well, yeah, yeah, I don't know about all that. And ball-headed didn't say that. <laughs> they but, may need to up your T-levels a little bit. But then it's, say, yeah, but then it's saying a, a four-and-a-half is broad, thick, and strong, and a five-and-a-half-year-old five is mature, bulky, and dominant. And then a six and a half, and I really, rip, uh, this one really kind of hits home as heavy, sagging, and short. There you are. Yeah, that's probably ball headed. Yeah, it, I, I will. I will just tell you this. Also, one thing I forgot to mention: aging differs based on area. In yes, other words, 100%. absolutely, yes. You go to Texas and try to age those deer; it's nearly impossible. Man, they all look the same from the time they're four and a half to nine and a half. There's just subtle differences. Versus, take a Canadian deer; there's much more um, distinct differences. But the one consistent thing I've seen, no matter where I've hunted, that floppy throat right here right. will never lie to you. When you see a deer that's flopping right in here, you can just about bet he's five or older, and they just don't get that until they get some age on them. That right. is the one thing I've noticed that, that makes a difference. All right, Mark. So for our folks that are listening and, and not on YouTube, when you're pointing at your neck, are you pointing at like the Adam's apple area or, of the deer or that brisket yeah, area down lower? From their jaw all the way down to the top of their chest, right in there. Specifically, the I'm going to say the 12 inches just below their jaw, that okay. area right has clear definition to their esophagus because their neck muscles are so big. This is left alone and it will flop just a little bit, just a little bit. Start watching that. And that, that's the mark of a mature deer every time. Wow. I feel mature all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's really interesting. That is. And I haven't heard that used a lot. That's a, you know, if you'll take the time, of course, a lot around here, someone sees a good set of horns. I don't think they're looking at anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 
brown us down. I, I always just, when I see something big coming through the woods and I, I start getting excited after, after making several mistakes in the past, I always force myself to just assume it's a three-year-old and, and go from there, you know, and that, that seems to help me not, yeah. you know. So Mark, in this, in this description of a six and a half year old, and they're referring to him as being short, the deer's not getting any shorter. His body, he's just like a 55 gallon fat. drum and it's making his legs, look, legs shorter. look shorter. That's right. Yeah. He's fat. Yeah. And there's a phenomenon that goes on at age six for us around here because you get so used to seeing, you almost get numb to seeing a big one because all you see are twos, threes, and fours consistently because they're the most frequent. And then when you see a six, you have a tendency to not recognize him just because his rack almost looks small in comparison to his body. Right. But in reality, you see him out in the field and he's this giant, but there's a perspective perspective between body and rack that actually makes him look small. It's it's uh, it's interesting as you look at, at trail photos. We have a deer up here this year that's just a, a big old fat thing and his rack looks decent. Wade and I the other day were driving back from a hunt in the morning and we saw that deer out there tending a doe and we were just flabbergasted at how large this deer was because we looked at uh, 100 or 200 pictures of this deer and we were like, oh, he's a nice deer. We knew he was mature, but when we saw him in person, he is an absolute giant. So big, fat, mature deer can actually shrink their rack just because mm-hmm. of the perspective, perspective between body and antler. Likewise, a, a small deer might look bigger than he is, too. Mm-hmm. Correct. Exactly. Great point. Yes. A few times yeah. I hunted in the Midwest and up North Michigan and Illinois places, they always, you've only hunted in the South predominantly, as they would don't. Be careful because these deer, the body size are so much bigger, you'll underestimate the horns. And they're right. Yeah. Ground shrinkage versus ground expansion has to do with their body size. Mm-hmm. So you keep referring to the, your cameras. How many uh, how many cameras are you running, Mark? You know, predominantly here in the Midwest, we've got uh, a lot of cells, but I've got 100 non-cells running and about 150 cells. So probably 250 cameras that are running and 150 cells total. We look at uh, anywhere from six to 10,000 photos a day right now just from our cell reports. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you do that. That's some observation well, he's right help, there. Bobby, yeah, he's, got, that, he's got a little help too. On your on your non-cell cameras, are you going in at specific times in the middle of the day to, to pull those cards or is there any strategy to that or just when you got 100, you just got to get them when you can? They're generally in a place that I'm kind of pre-scouting for the following year. So maybe every month and a half to three months, some of them I just leave run the whole season. Yeah, and it's really the cells that are giving us the information that, that we want. But yeah. to that point, Toxie, I, I don't have a ton of help when it comes to photos because I don't like anybody looking at them but me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Man after my own He heart. resembles that remark. <laughs> you know, I've gotten in a big spat with the boys because they I could never remember. My, I got a new – Companies sell cameras and I couldn't remember my password. What do you mean you don't remember your password? Well, I used one, but then we'll go in and set it. I mean, I was like, and then I fell asleep early and didn't answer their text and all. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just like you, you know, it's like the old fashioned uh, statement about secrets, but I can keep a secret like every time. But dang, those people I tell it to cannot, cannot keep their mouth keep- shut. Mark, you remember that? <laughs> you remember the good old days when you'd take your photos to the drugstore, oh, Kmart, gosh. or what? Oh, yeah. And you'd oh, give yeah. somebody else's name. Oh, I'd be so- sweating, waiting for them to hand them back to me across the counter, you know? You know, and, and back then, 
Walmart used to have this policy. You, you don't have to pay for the ones that you've developed. And I always felt so guilty about that. I would just pay for them all because I was like, this is not fair. And I, I knew guys that would only buy one or two out of the roll. You know, they, they eliminate the doughs, buy the two bucks and then move on. And they do that with several sets of film, you know, but I always bought them. All. <laughs> I thought that was terrible. Hey, you're a good guy. Mark. I bet you're a good tipper too. I am. He is. Lanny, I'm going to look at you. You always say, I never get to ask any questions. So I, mean, you I mean, you're such a. a well, y'all stop it. Well, well, I mean, he's right. He always talks over me. He already, he already asked the question that I was going to ask, but that's fine. The, the, the Bobby Lanny effect. Here it goes again. You know, I was just curious. I learn something more every year. And just like, what's the latest amazing thing that you, you've learned about the whitetail? Most of them. Lately, you, you know, it's something that I, I geek out on a lot here lately because we deal with it so often is just the overall uh, relationship between health and ultimate antler development. Like it, it is such a such a uh, rare occurrence that a deer makes it to a certain age class, call it six or older, and then also didn't have something from a health, uh, something nagging him from a health component that allowed him to become a giant, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that through time, as you look across the country and there's these random mega giants that pop up, well, you've got to have genetics, you've got to have age, but they also have had to have had a clean bill of health to get to that, that state. Yeah. Because I've had some phenomenal two and three and four year old deer that don't end up looking so phenomenal. And it's because the HD hit or they got in a fight or they scratched their leg and ended up getting uh, hoof rot. There's a lot of different things that go wrong for whitetail deer that affect their ultimate outcome. And it kills a lot of them. Uh, yep. You know, I, I say it many times. I've never seen something so hard to kill die so easily. <laughs> and they can sure shrink up. And also, what was the acorn crop like when they were fawns? What was the acorn crop like throughout their life? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many droughts did they go through or did they have a good, you know, nutrient transfer each and every year of their life? And I see it specifically this year because we've been in a drought for so long here in the Midwest that they just keep getting smaller and smaller with age. Uh, and I look back on, on years where we had just tremendous antler quality and I'm starting to research weather patterns prior to those years to see what leads to that. Because I think it would be awesome if it was predictable based on weather conditions and a, and a b- bunch of other, uh, you know, conditions that they go through. So that's something that I'm I'm in the process of trying to to learn better. I mean, obviously, all we all want a healthy herd, but there's random things that happen to them that you know detract from what they ultimately look like at, when they're fully mature. This is Lanny at the Gamekeepers of Mossy Oak. I've been shooting Nosler bullets as long as I've been wearing Mossy Oak. Nosler ballistic tip ammunition is made for knocking deer down right where they stand. Nosler's famous ballistic tip bullet is the key. It has controlled expansion and bone-crushing punch to turn a whitetail's lights out. Bring home more deer this year with ballistic tip ammunition from Nosler. Buy now at Nosler.com. Interesting. That's a good question. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't steal it. No, I, I, I like How hard was that for you to compliment him? That looked like painful. <laughs> it, it, it was. Yeah, it was very painful. Well, he's he's the biggest student of white tails well, I know. We've done 189 podcasts. That's the first time I've so, complimented him. So you said that here's the deal. So I get to go back and say, I've known him longer than anybody, which I can't even remember that long ago. But the key is 
to learn from this is a bigger thing. It's, he is one for everybody out there that looks up to him, and they should. His work ethic is mm-hmm. unbelievable. But the second thing is he is so freaking annually organized about everything in his life. And so it bleeds up, obviously, great success in business and everything, but it bleeds over to managing his place and has from the day he first became obsessed with it. And that's something we could all learn because even in, in business or career, home life, and in hunting and managing a property, a little organization will go a long way. Mm. And people overlook that, I believe. They mm. just kind of, and I know. I'm too random and I don't do it well enough. I have, I'm kind of one of those, I have high organizational needs, very poor organizational skills. So I'm a, I'm a anomaly, but he is so organized. I just want to point that out to people out there to learn from. Yeah. Organized and anal, but both of those. No, things. no. Anally organized. Anally don't, organized. don't put words in my mouth. Oh my. Big words from toxic to you, Mark. Well, and Toxie's right. We've known each other since February of 1989 is when we first met down in Natchez. And we've been very close ever since. Um, But I I do dig deep. um, And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have some phenomenal, phenomenal people in my life that I've learned from. Toxie being at the top of that list. My brother, Terry, the people we've met through business, Will Primos and Paul Meeks and all these people that influenced me when I was young and just starting out. And the one thing that I noticed, the people that succeeded were A, they had an incredible work ethic and B, they were organized and knew what they were doing and knew a direction. And and I think focus is so important, whether it be on family, faith or, you know, your passion, whether it be whitetail hunting or turkey hunting or duck, duck hunting. You have to have uh, a commitment to it in order to to succeed at it, in my opinion. And um, I don't know that there's anything I could say more important than that. Just if you want to succeed and be be, uh, be at the top of a game, make sure that your focus is honed in. And again, that goes for faith or family or whatever it is. You, you just can't be focused enough in life. Wow, those are some really that's some really great advice for people listening. Take yeah, that to heart. So. I just want to, you know, sometimes you look back and say, what makes this guy tick? And so mm-hmm. I just want people ought to know that he's so organized. And just like you said, he keeps all the photos, goes back through, and they're getting, what, four, five, six thousand a day sometimes. Yeah, what do you do with those photos, Mark? Have you got some kind of hard drive you store them on? I do. I've got every photo of a rack buck from 2007 to present day. All of them. <laughs> I rest my case. Oh yeah. my goodness! Mm-hmm. Got to be organized, Dudley. Have you got a question for Mark? Yeah, and and I don't I don't think we've ever asked the the Drury clan this question. We we ask every significant deer hunting nerd, but uh, so as far as doe harvest goes mm. and, and trying to keep things quiet uh, on your farms, oh, do boy. you? Does does Team Drury kind of have a plan you follow on when you do your doe harvesting or how? Well, here in the Midwest, we're restricted by season, you know. So in in Missouri, it's a little bit more liberal because there there are several counties in Missouri that have CWD now, so they continue to get more and more liberal with when the seasons are open, how many you can kill, and DMAP, which is a program we started on like three or four years ago, and you can use. You can use center fire rifles in Missouri. So we have suppressors on all of them. We try to pick a windy day and we try to pick a, a really good weather day where they're going to move. And then we use our, our uh, Banish 
suppressors that we worked with Silencer Central to get on our, our guns. And man, it works well. You take a windy day and they just keep coming. I mean, it's like they don't even hear it. They'll see the deer fall and they'll go investigate, but it's like they don't hear it. And I'm sure they do because there's a crack to it. But that's been a, a real blessing. In Iowa, it's different. You know, uh, you got to go late muzzleloader season or, or second gun season. And it's much more intrusive in the state of Iowa, much more intrusive. So um, we just do it, you know, to the point where you have to do it. It's a necessary evil. We shot 142 does, myself, Wade and Perry last year hmm. between Missouri and Iowa. So it, it's a it's a burden because the, the, these does are heavy in Iowa. I mean, loading them and unloading them and reloading them. I mean, it's, it's wow. a pain in the rear. We had, uh, there was one night we shot a field. Um, we waited till the end of the season. It's one of my better bottom fields. And what did we shoot that night? I think we shot, we shot, I thought we shot, just shy of 30 in one night. Mm. And then we had, we had to deal with all of them. And it was bitter cold. It was below zero and the wind was blowing 20 That's miles. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a pile of work, man. I mean, and it's the end of the season. You're already burnt out from sitting every day and whatnot, but it's a necessary evil if you want to keep that herd balance yep. and keep the overall numbers down and just that that whole health thing that I'm talking about. Fewer deer equals bigger deer. More deer does not equal bigger deer. Um, you just can't uh, you can't keep them you can't keep the numbers low enough unless you want to see a lot of deer. I personally don't care how many I see. I just want to see the right deer. So we try to keep them pretty low. Yeah. Wow. You heard it from the man. Yeah. That's that's, that's, that's a good question, Dudley. That's- Thanks, Bobby. Well, one thing he didn't say, you just pick up on that. He is bigger on hitting them hard and then quitting. He doesn't believe in nipping at them all the time. Like a lot of people just, let's go, let's go. Oh, I shot a doe today. I mean, he plans it out, hits them in a defined, and, and, and he, you know, like as short a time period as possible. The windy day. That's yeah. a good tip. Yeah. High winds are a big deal and plant them where you see them. Like, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to have to track everyone that's bow hit to manage my gun. It's like, we no. want them to fall. So we really make sure our guns are on and we take that high shoulder shot yeah. and knock them down. That's a big, it's a big part of our equation is planting them right where that you shoot them. So we're learning about silencers, uh, but Nosler, the company that we're working with, I understand you guys are working with uh, the silencer co, but have, what's a caliber and what type of bullet have you found that works out of the, I mean, are you shooting subsonic ammunition? Well, I don't know. I'm shooting Winchester Deer Season XP. So that's, um, yeah, he's, he's shooting the regular. Yeah, he's shooting hypersonic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we shoot, we shoot a 6.8 Western. Uh, I love that caliber because it knocks the living tar out of them or 270. We have a lot of luck with that caliber as well. Uh, in Iowa, we're shooting them with 350 Legend. Bobby, did I ever tell you I have a 270? Yeah, yeah, I'm a little familiar with that 270. So, I sure am. Another story for another day. It, it is. I love that 270. That's yep. my favorite tip yep. cartridge. Oh, it's really a good. One. Bobby yeah. Dixon put me on 270s. A 130 grain nozzle partition out of a 270 is just it doesn't get any better for a whitetail, in my opinion. I'm gonna say 140 nozzle partition 308. That's a good one too. That is a good also one. Also a great, I like great that. I, just, I actually do like. The, you always see that debate, the ultimate whitetail caliber. There's so many good ones. Oh, my stuff. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you hear the really smart people say any of those in the exact right location. Oh, well, of course. Important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mac, I'm looking at you. You got a question? Yeah. So <clears throat> the time of the day is is one thing that's always been interesting to me. What percent of, of the buck harvest do you think are in the morning versus in the afternoon Ooh. for you? Uh, archery, I bet you it's 80 or 90% afternoon. Hmm. 
for sure. That we is just, hot. we're better around food. Like I, I am like, I hate to intrude on a bedroom. It just right. drives me insane to go where I know they're at. So I like to always be like as close as I can be to them without them knowing I'm there. And that's generally some sort of food source very close. And it's, it's, we actually get like one of our biggest complaints anymore is that all of our hunts look the same, but it's, it's a, it's a blueprint that works for us time and again, regardless of where we go. And that's a biologic field tucked, tucked into or around cover and catch them when they first get out of their bed, man. I mean, it's just, it's murder on them up here on the right, mm-hmm. on the right weather front. You're going to kill that deer. We, we get as close as we dare, but we don't hunt mornings very often, unless it's this time of the year. Rut, I've got a few stands that I like to go to, but typically we're, we're just, we're rough on them in the afternoons, but we've got a lot of food planning. Well, he's got a lot of photographs to look through in the morning. I mean, yeah. he's got 6,000 <laughs> every day to look through. Duck hunt in the morning, deer hunt in the afternoon. Ain't nothing wrong go. with that. Oh, my goodness. That might well, that the, afternoons, the afternoons are their, their mornings, right? I mean, right. they're just getting going. That's so right. That's an interesting um, way to look at it. Mm-hmm. The you afternoons know, are their mornings. Mark Drury. That's a quote right there. Put it on a T-shirt. Yeah. Can we put that on a T-shirt? <laughs> yep. And if, if you take biologic non-typical clover, last bite, or biologic uh, deer radishes, those three products are where we kill almost all of our deer. Hmm. Almost all of them. Yeah, I it's, cried this year. This drought, we've had the worst drought in my lifetime. I mean, big mature trees are dying. It's so bad. But it's I, I, terrible had, up here too. I had some non-typical clover going on its fifth year that looks so lush and beautiful, and it finally smoked it. I'm afraid. Maybe I, I – you know, it'll be a testament if we get this rain. Yeah, we'll see. Coming up if it, if it comes back. I've had it come back when it looked dead before, but mm. it broke my heart. It's the pride of my planting is the non-typical clover. We, we lost a lot of clover fields last year to the drought. Yep. So I, I hope you have a different outcome, but it they were rough. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. The Furminator is the industry's most versatile piece of food plot equipment, allowing plotters to do every step of the process, working the soil, adding seed and soil supplements, and compacting. From start to finish with a single implement, it's hassle-free by design. Set it for the seed size and simply drive the tractor, and the Furminator does the rest. Check it out at theferminator.com. Hey guys, Dudley from Gamekeepers here. I want to tell you about the all-new Gunner Dog Bowl. It's designed for home and built for travel. It's customizable, leak-resistant, light on weight, solid on durability, and rust-proof. Like other Gunner products, they're made in Nashville and designed for everywhere. So, Mark, let me loop back around to age in these deer. Taylor recently killed a deer that you guys estimated to be 10 and a half years old. What a stud. Can you talk about some of the characteristics that deer may have had? Well, that was based on a previous landowner's history with that deer. And someone questioned our aging on them. They they said, that's impossible. How'd you do it? And she had mentioned in the caption that a previous owner said, here's how old the deer was. Had I just seen the deer and didn't know how old he was – I would have said he's seven and a half or eight and a half plus because the deer had a head the size of a basketball. His body was fully mature. I mean, he just looked like he could hardly walk. He was so fat, you know, so you just don't see that look very often. It's very rare. But um, we actually bought that farm this spring at an auction. And um, I knew the, the gentleman that had it before. And the first mature deer picture that I got this summer, I sent it to him. And he goes, oh, that's that's the old man. He goes, we tried to kill him. 
for five or six, five or six years, he's impossible to kill. And um, he hmm. said he used to be 160 inch ten point and he was completely dark. We would never daylight anywhere. And he goes, we finally, finally gave up on him. Luckily this year he was sold. He came back to food and she killed him on a last bite field. The first time we went in after him. So we got, got very lucky to, to kill that deer, but um, he thought he was nine and a half or 10 and a half years old. What a great deer. That's a great deer. Yeah, he really was. Oh, uh, bud, he, that's a real, was it? It was a mainframe I, six. He had a kicker on him, didn't he? I, I, I think, Correct. Wait a minute. He's a real seven. <laughs> you you got to talk briefly about, uh, indulge me. The, the biggest news in your family, as far as blood on the biologic, you sent me pictures a couple of weeks ago, of something pretty spectacular. Tell me about that. Miss Lucille. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know who he's talking about. That's a difficult one for me to talk about. Um, I know, but yeah. I got, I know it's emotional. It's, it's mom, you know, and, yes. and uh, it was so special. So special. Um, she's 90. Isn't that incredible? And, and Toxie knows exactly how this feels and what it's like because of, of their journey with, with Mr. Fox and all the animals he's killed in the latter years in his life here. But she's 90 and, and dad never hunted. Right. So when dad was alive, mom and dad were inseparable and they were always traveling and they'd go to polka things and they just didn't hunt a lot. Dad was in his seventies before I ever spent a day in the woods with him. I mean, he just did, did not go, but mom was raised on a farm. She taught me how to skin my first squirrel. She taught me how to skin my first rabbit. She uh, taught me how to box trap rabbits. When I was 12 and 13 and wanted to go turkey hunting, she'd get up at four 30 in the morning, take me, drop me off. And then we had a place where she would pick me up at noon, you know, a time and a place. So um, when dad passed, the things that Terry and I have done is is bring her into camp and involve her more. And she loves the outdoors and she loves to hunt. So the last few years, she's killed some pretty good deer. And she she actually lives at an independent living center and she signs up for physical therapy to make sure that she can stay strong enough to climb into our blinds. So (laughs) that was her that was her big challenge going into the season. And I took her up a muddy bull, which is 10 steps. It takes you up to like 12 feet. And that was a struggle. She's age 90. And I was right behind her holding her going up those, those steps. And that was a chore for her to get up there. She was breathing heavily, but she finally made it. We got in place and um, this beautiful buck. I mean, this awesome, awesome deer with a kicker comes out and just absolutely tore us up. We were like pretzels in that blind because he kept going right to left. The blind is set up for them to come. And I had her set up for an easy shot right in front, but instead he threw us a curveball and he started going right to left. So we had to move her and the apparatus that holds her crossbow and finally got a shot just as he's exiting the field at 33 yards. And she just absolutely piped him, man. I mean, she's <laughs> a good shot. And I mean, it was, there was a lot of tears in that blind when, when she killed that deer and then the recovery, it was just it was just awesome. I couldn't wait to share it with Toxic because I know I knew uh, he yes. would appreciate that. Oh my God, never thoughts. But mom, uh, she's my hero. I can tell you that. A lot of us. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. incredible. A lot of us. It's so cool. I just had to meet that's the that's not gonna top that one this year. No. No, we will not. That was that was on deer radishes as well, Bobby. So thank you for that. Wow. I mean, the, those deer radishes, have, they've been bloody a few times for us through the years. They are they are nasty on those deer. They are great. Like, yeah. Like yep. no other. It's a great you know, it really is a great product. I had a different experience with them though this year than I've ever had in the past. Typically we plant in mid-August and we get some rain and they're the right height and palatability is just high there in early October. 
Well, this year with the drought, we were so dry in May, June, and July. And then, you know, when we first had a forecast there in July for rain, we were like, we could get dry again. Let's go ahead and try and put them in. So we put our our biologic in, in in late July and early August, which we've never done before. And for about a 10-day period, we received five or six inches of rain. So they were off to a great start. And we got subsoil moisture. And then it, it stopped. It didn't rain again. But they grew so tall and so big that they kind of outgrew palatability. I've never seen deer ignore deer radishes like they have this year. Couple that with a really heavy uh, acorn crop and they just haven't been on them. But then we got a freeze in mid-October and now they're on them again pretty heavily. But I've never seen them lack in palatability like I have this year. And I, I think we were just early, but thank goodness we did or right. we wouldn't have green fields. We'd be in the same shape you guys are. We got very lucky to hit that window. I wish we'd planted in August. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, if you pay a little extra, Mark, you get the ones that are palatable. Just- <laughs> <laughs> We've got a new one this year that yeah, I've been new really pleased with, too, for the drought conditions. Yep. It's crazy how the Endura, yeah. we've got a new radish. We're just Which one? The one that you're testing or yeah. the one that you're marketing? It's, it's new. We've been testing it for a while. Uh, it's and called it's Endura. New this year, Endura, Endurance. Okay. Endurance radish, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it, I believe Austin, did, yeah, did Austin send me those a couple of years ago? Yeah, he Austin? should. Yeah, yeah you're on the list for sure. You're definitely on the list. It's just <laughs> crazy how drought tolerant they are, honestly, when yep. nothing else would grow. Uh, yeah, we we've had have a, some of those. Yeah. Well, so look, Mark, I know you got to get going. Uh, are there any questions about aging deer or, or hunting big bucks you want to ask us? I just, you know, just might want to fill in some of the gaps that you may have up there. Any but, strategy but, tips you, know, you need? You don't. You probably don't have time for that. But we do have a trivia question that we would like to ask you. And if you get this right, uh, one of our, our uh, listeners uh, who has left us a review potentially could win a fabulous prize. And the prize is this Ryan Kirby Dear agent poster, and Ryan's going to ship one to whoever wins this. And Mark, okay. you, I, you're smiling. I like seeing you smile. Well, I'm nervous now. I don't want to cost this. Yeah, Bob, uh, just so you <laughs> know, who, who 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 came up with this question? Uh, uh, honestly, yeah, I, I did. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it, it's an it's a Missouri question, and I, I'm going to turn it. What? So, Richie, would you please introduce what we're doing here with your radio announcer voice, please? Today's trivia. Is brought to us by Sheffield Financial because your finances are not trivial. No, they aren't. <laughs> yeah, and so who are we? Uh, well, so let me point this out. I, I've got. I don't think I passed this along. We are playing for. Uh, here we go. All right, be patient with me, Mark. All right, so we're. Uh, so the Ryan Kirby poster is the is the prize. The guy we're playing for. Uh, I assume it's a guy, South Georgia Stoic, could potentially win this. So uh, with that said, I'm gonna turn it over to Mac. All right, Mr. Mark. So this is going to be a true or false. So you got a 50% chance on this one. Uh, so the question is, has there ever been a legitimate cobra, a cobra being a snake problem in a city in Missouri? All right. Oh, my word. Where did you Where get you, this one? For real. Oh, my goodness. That's why I went ahead and set it up ahead of time. That's a Bobby, typical Bobby question. We're trying to, we're trying to enlighten people. And, well, we uh, want our, our we want our listeners to get the prizes. Bob. Well, like, so well, let's. I need more depth on this. Like, are you saying like in the wild, or one that was a pet that got out, or qualified? Either, either or. Well, then I, I would say that maybe there there would have been at some point some body that had a snake that it got loose. So I would say potentially yes, 
But I, I will tell South Georgia Stoic that if I got that wrong, if you'll send me his address, I'll buy him a poster and send one. <laughs> well, you actually got it Nailed right. Nailed it. So, yeah, right. Tell us about that, Matt. So in 1953 in Springfield, there was about 35 Cobras throughout the city and 11 of them were actually killed and i think nine of the 11 were killed with a garden hoe uh one was trying to be dispatched with a pistol and they had to end up uh killing it with a garden hoe but the story is pretty funny so there was a 14 year old boy who bought a fish from this from this pet store brought the fish home the fish passes away he's all mad goes back and demands another fish the guy that owned the store pretty much tells him to get out of the store and he sees a box behind this store and he doesn't know what it is. He just knows it's snakes. And so he lets all these uh, Indonesian cobras or Indian cobras out. And so they in Springfield, Missouri in 1953, there was a cobra epidemic. Hmm. Go to fuck it. Yeah, you should pay more attention to what's going on around you. Yeah, but I mean, How did y'all find this? <laughs> I mean... I don't know, but it's just something <laughs> I knew. I ran across. And they really point. didn't know who the, the most interesting thing is they didn't know for 35 or I think it was 30 some odd years how this even happened. And then finally, that 14 year old boy came forward and said, hey, it was me. I let the Cobras out. He didn't replace my fish. So I let kicked the, the Cobras cobra out. Yeah. yeah. So one of the Missouri law enforcement departments still has the Cobra. Uh, a cobra on their symbol or their shield ah. because they spent so much time trying to help in Springfield to, to, to capture those. That's how I found out about it. I, I ran across this as a true false. Some kind what of does this have to do with the age of white? It, uh, it, it just, Absolutely nothing. Look, there's nothing about deer. We could ask Mark. He, he would get everything right. So I was trying to get out of the lane a little bit just to see how wide he went. That was pretty easy. <laughs> you can't make that one up. So it had to be a real yes. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, it's got to be yes, or they, they wouldn't have asked the question. Right. Well, we threw him <laughs> we'll a softball. Yeah, yeah, we'll remember that next time. <laughs> All right. So what else have we got? Richie, we got anything else we, we need to do? So, hey, what about, what about Uncle Terry the other week, too? Unbelievable. 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 216 inches. And, you know. The, uh, mat, the mass was incredible. Mass was incredible. And, and uh, Scott Bestel, do you guys know Scott? Oh, the yeah. field mm-hmm. You know, do you know that Scott's fighting cancer right now? No, I didn't know that. It's a very rare form of of stomach cancer. Please keep him in in your prayers. And Scott reached out to me. And and Scott's one of those guys that dates back to the early 90s with Mm -hmm. us. He's one of the first guys we started taking turkey hunting when he first started um, riding. So we're very close friends. And Scott immediately reached out. He was like, I want to cover this buck, you know, because we knew it was big or he knew it was big and probably it may be one of the biggest deer killed in, in Missouri this year. So I told Terry about it and got them connected up. And then Scott did this beautifully written piece for field and stream field and stream posted on social media and the, the caption for the post, I'm sure it was someone on their social team. They probably didn't think through this quite thoroughly enough because here's Scott and Terry with this 30 year history and, great friends. And, and it's, it, there's a lot of meaning with Scott's fight right now and him writing this story for Terry. She writes, uh, or th- they write, I don't know who it was. Hunter spends six days in a box blind to kill a 200 inch deer. <laughs> that was, the, that was the caption she came up with, you know, so here's Terry 55 years in 
has hunted his tail off and kills the deer of a lifetime. And he's just gotten so much backlash over that deer because of that one headline. And I'm like, <laughs> man, alive. It's, it's just not fair. It's not fair to Terry because this is the, the crowning moment of a lifetime spent committed to deer and, and outdoor production and everything. And, and what a deer that was on his farm uh, that, that he killed. And he and I spent countless hours on the phone uh, talking about that deer. And, and I kept telling him, I said, I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be that deer with you hunting me. I know that because I, I knew he was going to kill him and he did and just smoked him. So I, I was so happy for him and proud of him. I mean, Man, it's uh, what a beautiful deer. An accomplishment, you know, I sent him, him a note right away and I just, I couldn't even share it on air. What he sent back was meant so much yeah. to me. He is the classist act. I know the whole family and everybody and y'all are so tight. It's such a cool thing to see, especially over all this time. But he really is just, he is one of my heroes too. He really He's a wordsmith too, Toxie man. He can he can write some feeling. He's you know, really good. yeah, and it, you know what? He just he just he doesn't have guardrails. He just says what he feels, you know. And one of those things I learned, I always say when I go back to kind of the day when we lost Bob and all. That's like don't and we're, this is off of five year old deer too. But if don't let it don't let it go by and let everybody know that you care about. It. Let them know, you know. Let them know how you feel about one of He will just spit it right out. It's so refreshing. Yep. He's well, so, so much fun to be around. Oh, too. gosh. Yeah. Yep. No, you know, and, and, and speaking of Bob, um, he taught me that. Yep. Yep. Turkey Federation, right before he passed away, he walked up and he goes, I want you to know I love you. And I was like, wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I got that same thing through there. And I told him, and I did. But once he put And since there, then, I've always let people know that I love Yep. Him. I've gotten. It's like, what's up with him? I was like, hey, I learned my lesson there. It's not like I didn't, but I wasn't as good at it as I need to be. I, you know, you either take it for granted or you're a little guarded about, you know, we're all scared of being vulnerable or whatever. And that's, how chicken is that? So, hey, <laughs> let them know. They know, well, around, yeah. they know around here. That's no secret. Yeah. Wow. You that's know? that's two podcasts in a row. We've had somebody tear up. Mark. I'm easy to tear up. All you got to do is talk about yeah. mom or. Toxie or brother Terry. Or you bring up <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But it's, it's so cherished within the halls. I mean, when we, it, this seems like a rambling podcast or a lot of joking and carrying on, I mean, it's not like we have a guest on. <laughs> you know, no, it's not. It's just right. like, you know, it's just like looking down the table at Bobby to look up there at Mark. And so, uh, you know, it's great to do it because it does keep us connected. We don't get to spend as much time as we used to, but as I was leaving the house a minute ago, Miss D said, tell you hello. And if I forgot to say that, I'd get in trouble when she listened to the podcast in a couple of weeks. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Tell her I love her. Done. All right. We've, we've been well, down to memory, memory, memory lane. I hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen him since like Turkey Federation, <laughs> well, so I had to catch up a little bit. Well, I, I understand. Yeah, 100%. Mark, we love having you on. And, uh, yep. Yeah, so – Look, without getting gushy, everybody knows how everybody feels about everybody around here. So, love you, man. Yeah. So, Mark, <laughs> hang on. We still, you still, you still got a few more minutes, but we always do yeah. blood on the biologic. We usually do that at, at the beginning, and that out of respect for Mark, we held it off to the end. But I've got a bunch of youngins to mention here. Let's go. Uh, Trace Tatum, John. Oh Tatum's yeah, I saw that. Killed, yep. killed a doe. Go, uh, John and Trace. One of uh, Mark's family members, Henry Lurk. Jared's son killed, killed a, yeah, yeah. Hank. He, Hank. Hank 
I call him Hank. Nobody else does, but he's, he's a little Hank. Every Hammer and Hank. Yeah. yeah. Hammer yeah. and Hank. Yeah. Okay. What about Cash Lindsay? Killed, oh, a, killed, a, killed a really nice deer in Georgia. Nice. And they just they just had another baby just a few days ago. Wow. I can't keep up with them. They got youngins all over now. What, think- what, what about Kevin Van Dam, KVD? He's the man. Up in Michigan. That's a big deer, too. He's been, they've had snow. He sent me a couple of pictures of him the other day. It was freaking six inches of snow under his tree stand. Mm. So what else do we need to, anything, Lanny? I, Are you on, you're going to sit, you're going to sit this afternoon, Mark? I know. Did, did we give you accolades on, on pork chop? The 222 pound oh, yeah, Alabama whitetail? Bobby killed a deer on his place. Yeah. I, I First time. Yeah, I don't need any accolades. He I went out with that, his bow and got a big old mature buck. He yeah, did. he did. At his yeah. own place. Old killer. Almost didn't make it in time. Y'all held me here on We that should have held it another 20 minutes. The that deer dog happen. podcast. Yeah. Look at that deer right there. See, look at that head on that thing, Bobby. That yeah. thing's a How old was he? I would guess he's six plus. Yeah. I mean, it looks at yeah, I, I was thinking he was uh, at least six and a half as well. He's you know, got that flappy neck thing going on. Yeah, he does. Sure. Yeah. Hey, Mark, that's a great buck. Hey, Mark, in honor of Bob Dixon, I'm going to call him. He's as old as he's going to get. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Hey, but 222 pounds, that's a giant whitetail. That is for down here. Yeah. yeah. It is. Well, yeah. and that's, uh, he was a day old when I weighed that, so he could have lost he a little lost bit. A, lost a little BC. Always exaggerating. <laughs> well, I'm just. He's probably a little heavier. Tell her of tall tales. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That was a lot of fun. I've enjoyed this, Mark. We always enjoy having yeah, you. Yeah, thanks on. for we being appreciate here. appreciate you making time. Big time. You guys are the best. I, I do a few different podcasts. I do the guys at Working Class, and I do Mark Kenyon's, and of course I do Matt and, and Tim's, but this is the one that I enjoy the most. You guys are fun to talk to, and <laughs> it's it's just like old family for me, yep. like Toxie said. It's, it's yep. uh, always a pleasure. Well, hopefully, uh, Richie was recording this, and this will actually be a podcast next yeah, week. Yeah, you did hit the record. You're doing good. The podcast is really – it shot way up again this week. You're doing great. So, Yeah. Well, Killing it, man. Well, we're trying. Oh, Boone and Crockett Bobby. Uh, we're trying. No, i tell you what. Uh, you know, but, but Mark, if you ever have any questions, just don't feel free to ask. I'll be but he gets free you advice. He's yeah, really we're here to help. <laughs> Get you some Bobby logic. Oh, oh. man. All right, guys. Let's find right, Tell them thing. all hello for us. I will. My grandbaby's here. Oh, all right. That's she fun. flew in about a week and a half ago or two weeks, and Taylor killed that deer. She's staying until November 14th. So we've been – when the weather's warm like it is today, I'm skipping, and I'm going to spend some time with, with Taylor and Mabry. And That's awesome. Just, I, th- I think I said I did I sit, I sent you the photo when we put her in the dress that Taylor was oh, in. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to remake that turkey photo this spring, so it's identical. But uh, it's been a pleasure having Mabry Grace here. That's yeah. Cool. One of my one of my close friends I room with in college. I have to say this because it reminds me of me Mark too. Is like he had uh, his first grandkids were, were uh, twins. I said, "How are those twins?" He said, "You know, I've never I've never experienced anything like this. Unbelievable." And he sounded real. He was always a great sense of humor. He said, "I told my kids it's a good thing I didn't." You know, I didn't, if I'd have known how much fun these grandkids were, I'd have just gone on and had them first. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. Uh, so Mark is definitely in that boat. Big that's time. That's great. Good stuff. Well, you look happy, Mark. He we, is. We, uh, it looks like life's treating you well. And uh, so, so go enjoy the rest of the day. And we're going to, we're going to get back to doing what it is we do around Paying here. Paying some bills. That's so, right. So, 
All right. You well, guys are the best. I sure appreciate y'all. Love likewise, you. Likewise, brother. Thanks, All Love right. you, Mark. Thank you so much. What you say Don't goodbye, good. Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Richie. Boom. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.